3: Welcome back, everyone. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. On all social media sites, ExOne Radio TV. If you'd like to send us an email, studio at radio TV.com and our radio website, exxoneradio.com. My guest this hour is going to be talking about UFOs. You know, those strange things that people see in the night skies. Dan Hogan is my guest. And we're going to be talking to Dan about his new book entitled UFO FAQ. Since the famed Kenneth Arnold flying saucer sighting in 1947, the world has been fascinated by and unnerved by these mysterious objects in the sky. Millennia of recorded human history report UFOs, and everything from the extinction of the dinosaurs to the origins of humankind have been attributed to them. But what exactly are UFOs? Joining me now is David Hogan, and uh, David, welcome to the X-Zone. It's a pleasure to be here, Rob. Thank you very much for the invite. Yeah, great having you with us, David. Uh, Where did your interest in UFOs come from?
1: Oh, as a young kid, I think I lived for science fiction movies, and I grew up reading Famous Monsters of Filmland and Spaceman magazine, Mm -hmm. and I read Heinlein. In Bradbury and Adamski, and uh, uh, it's just something that's always percolated in my mind. Uh, I am not a a a, a uh, uh, ufologist.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I am an interested outsider.
3: So you're not a ufologist. You're an interested insider or outsider. I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't quite hear that.
1: Oh, outsider! Yeah, I. It's uh, 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 from my professional background. Uh, I spent nearly thirty years uh, in Chicago book publishing, mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, I sold my own first book in 1980, and I'm just a professional writer, and uh, I am curious about UFOs, and 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 I just wanted. To, uh, uh, to have a useful single source mm, handbook or guide. And so I wrote it.
3: Okay, so what makes your book, UFO FAQ, different from the tons of other books that are out there on UFOs?
1: Off the top, I ought to say it is not in the FAQ format. Uh Uh, the FAQ portion of the title is the publisher's trademark or identifier uh, Haunted America FAQ is also out there right now Mm -hmm. Um, it is a straight narrative history and it does encompass the entire UFO story Uh, uh, and it looks at, at, at these odd objects in the Bible, mm-hmm. um, and it talks about uh, uh, the science of interstellar travel, hoaxes, eyewitness accounts, abductions, uh, uh, O.G. Oh, conspiracy theory. Um, it is quite wide-ranging. And it also includes a uh, an interesting running timeline of uh, of, of unusual UFO uh, oh, incidents and eyewitness accounts. And it also talks about UFOs, uh, I mean, popular culture, and then the big topics um, such as Kenneth Arnold and the crash uh uh the Crash and Roswell and Project Blue Book are All All right,
3: right, We're, we're, we're going well. to be taking a break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Exo Nation, David Hogan is
0: our guest. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online.
1: I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true.
0: Chumbo Casino was America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to jumbocasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.
3: Uh, the website is onstageandbackstage.wordpress.com. This is the X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell. And we're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And around the world on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. We'll be back. Don't go away. Oh. Welcome back, everyone. David Hogan is our guest, explanation. He is the author of UFO FAQ. His website is onstageandbackstage.wordpress.com. David, let me ask you, um, the investigations or the stories that you wrote about, did you investigate them personally, or were these based on other people's accounts?
1: Um, it's mostly other people's accounts. A, uh, an, an old publishing colleague is a director of communications at MUFON, Mm -hmm. at the Mutual UFO Network. And I did speak with him, um, uh, oh, on several occasions. And I kind of picked his brain about specific accounts Mm -hmm. and about the nature of those accounts. And then that he's an insider, I think I got an interesting point of view. Uh, I am a professional writer and not an investigator.
3: All right, but let me ask you the question again that seems to be very pivotal at this point since you're not a UFO investigator, you're a UFO outsider, and yet you've written a book about UFOs. What makes your book so different than the others then? If this is all well, second... this it's a single-volume
1: guide, it, and if you're interested in any aspect mm of the ufo phenomena it is in this book uh, it talks about fine art it talks about science it talks about the military it talks about big government it talks about friendly aliens it talks about mean-spirited aliens um if you're interested in the story of ufos and the second world war it's in here um if you're curious about the Great Airship Panic of 1897, mm-hmm. it's in the book. All right, but I, and I, if let you're me, curious let me just... about the leaders of the UFO community yeah. and about the leading organizations. They are all explicated in the book.
3: Okay, but why would anybody buy this book? And if if they, it's not based on your research, but everybody else's, why not just go on the internet and Google?
1: Because the internet is a wreck, that's why
3: <laughs> well, so are a lot of the books and, out there
1: and and if you're interested in facts <clears throat> and in the musings of professionals uh avoid the internet um it's uh it's a forum, and I get its value as a forum and as a community voice and uh I also appreciate the value of it not being, oh, gee, policed or or authorized. It's all about free reign, and that's really good. On the other hand, it's also all about the Wild West. All right. So and listen, okay. And there are no rules, and oh. there are a lot of amateurs out there. Yeah, and there a are lot, there
3: are two in uh, the publishing industry. Now hold on here. You you know you're giving. Yes. You know they're, they're, what you've just described is also today's publishing industry because it doesn't take a, anybody with a publishing brain to go and publish their own book. So I think the publishing industry is in the exact same <clears throat> spot where the internet is, and there are many credible authors out there who have the <clears throat> information on the internet. So, I once again... if Oh, no, I agree. Okay, so how
1: big is your book? How many pages is it? It's a little over 400 pages. Uh, and, and if I could just make a quick point here. Mm. Uh, there are two publishing industries. And the one that I come out of is the professional publishing industry. Mm-hmm. And that means that authors are paid by publishers. And the authors are professional writers and and they make their living that way. The other publishing industry is is all about self-publishing. Mm-hmm. That is the realm of the amateur enthusiast. Now, there is a lot of excellent work out there, but it's still amateur. But it's important to note that
3: All right, I I understand it's still amateur, but I think that what has happened recently is that the big publishing houses do not have the ability to pull the strings of authors anymore, that authors don't need publishing houses, that they can sell very, very, very well
1: on the internet. Well, it's the difference between sales figures and content, though, Rob. uh, If If an amateur author is a shrewd and aggressive self-promoter, that person can sell books. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that the book is any damn good.
3: Well, it doesn't Uh, mean the book is any damn good, to quote you, if it comes from a publishing house either.
1: Not necessarily. So, you know, I
3: I think what the Internet has done, it's, it's, you know, it's opened up the ability for authors who who have the ability to write, who write great pieces of work, to get it out into the hands of the public without having to, to go through the hoops that publishing houses put authors through. I think That this is, is the a, case yeah.
1: in many instances. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these people are not writers, and they are not good thinkers.
3: But, uh, but you yourself, sir, wrote a book about UFOs, and you're a UFO outsider. You wrote a book based on yeah. other people's investigations and experiences. So what's the difference between you doing that and somebody else doing that?
1: Because I have a professional pedigree. That makes no difference. And, and if I could just quickly mention, of all of my books, I am most proud of a seven-pound book called The Holocaust Chronicle. Mm-hmm. And I was the editor-in-chief of that book.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a multi-author book, including myself. It sold over 300,000 copies. Mm-hmm. It's been translated into four languages. Mm-hmm. It's a standard book mm-hmm. um, at universities and schools around the world. Okay. I have <laughs> very high and professional standards.
3: But, sir, we're uh, not talking about your Holocaust book. We're talking about your UFO FAQ book.
1: Oh, you know, I get that.
3: Yeah, so, so I'd, like and, to ke- I'd like to and, keep it within this realm, so I don't want to get into, into the other books that you've written because the interview is about the UFO FAQ, and I find it very strange that... Let me ask you this. Have you ever had a UFO experience?
1: No, I have not. I, I, uh, uh, I thought I did once, mm-hmm. and I stopped the car... And I got out of the car, and it and it scared the heck out of my wife, and she begged me to come back into the car, uh, 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 on a country road at night, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it was not a UFO, and uh, 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 but I was so ready, and so eager, <laughs> and 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 I would love to see one. Sure. How long did it take you to write your book, sir? The UFO FAQ. About eighteen months, and uh, um, except except in the Holocaust book, which was a four year project, mm-hmm. uh, I've done most of my books in about oh gee nine or ten months, <clears throat> and and I was getting into the UFO, mm-hmm. um, it dawned on me that this really might be a fool's errand. It is a huge and 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 also complex subject and and I spent a full year mm-hmm. until I wrote a single word um, I educated myself um, and uh, uh, it's probably the most difficult book I've done, and that I was really uh Challenged by it and challenged by the need to absorb and then somehow uh, uh, codify and present all of this information.
3: Um, Let me ask you about one of the cases in your book, the Roswell, (laughs) New Mexico case of 1947.
1: Tell me about it. It's a crash. Of an airborne object, uh, I'm at Roswell, New Mexico, mm-hmm. outside. i an American Air Force base, and uh, it's probably the seminal case uh, in UFO history. Uh, it is very fascinating, and it has. Uh, it certainly provoked a lot of opinions um, and theories. Um, the skeptics say that it was a weather balloon mm-hmm. um, and nothing more. Um, my own feeling is that that the Air Force felt compelled to cover it up and and and, and to obfuscate it, and so maybe it was a weather balloon, but maybe. It was something else. And then now, was that something else, you know, a secret American aircraft? Was it a captured Soviet aircraft? Was it something uh, extraterrestrial? Um, I don't know. And, uh, And I do present it in other cases in the book that way. I tried to be objective, mm-hmm. and and to suggest all of the points of view, and and the great range of opinions about these things, and um, uh, you know after after almost seventy years, I think Roswell is still a bit of a mystery. My own feeling is that it's probably explainable in terrestrial terms, but I don't know what those terms might be. And, and that's largely because the Air Force stonewalled.
3: You know, um, when it comes to the UFO field, your name is not very well known, if at all. And when you look at books concerning UFOs, uh, one of the major authors out there is Kevin Randall. You know, he's done. He's a he's a lieutenant colonel. He's done. Oh, I admire his work. You know, and, and you know, yeah. Kevin's got what? Twenty eight books. Twenty nine books. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm I'm trying to understand why somebody would buy your book that is based on. Other people's opinions and other people's work compared to a book written by Kevin Randall who actually does the investigation and the writing
1: it's not based on other people's opinions it's based on the experiences of other people
3: well isn't that the really, is it, wouldn't that classify that as an opinion
1: no experience isn't necessarily opinion and as I said, I think that this book is objective, and uh, uh, it's an advantage, I think, uh, if an author is an mm-hmm. outsider. I don't have an agenda. Okay. I don't have a bee in my bonnet. Right. I'm not full of certitude.
3: Okay, and stand certitude by, stand by, because is, I've got to take is, a commercial break. Stand yeah. by here, stand by and here. Whoa, quality. whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't know how to talk me on my own show, mister. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast centre in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. do away. David Hogan is our guest, Exo He's the author of UFO FAQ. And um, David, before we went to the break, you were you were trying to explain to me how your book is different. And during the break, I said I'm having a hard time trying to trying to get a hold on on why your book is different. Because you know you're an outsider, you haven't had these experiences yourself, you haven't you haven't uh, done any investigation. Your book is based on the experiences of others, and the fact that you are a professional writer, a published author through a publisher, publishing uh, house. I can understand that, and I appreciate that. But the times are changing, and when we look at some of the great books that are being put out, like Kevin Randall, uh, like uh, Kevin Randall and um, Stanton Friedman, and and others who have been in the UFO field for years and years. Their entire, for example, um, let me see, Kevin Randall's book, uh, The Government UFO Files, The Conspiracy of Cover-Ups, is one book dedicated to that. Mm-hmm. So how how can a book that is 400 and some odd pages compare with a book that goes
1: in detail
3: of a specific topic?
1: Well, I think that that is the crux of all of this. and. and and of your key question. Mm -hmm. As I was getting into the topic, I saw that most interesting UFO books uh, uh, were extremely focused, and they talked about abductions, or about a particular abduction, Mm -hmm. or about Roswell, Mm -hmm. or about uh, Hollow Earth, or about conspiracy theory and there are books and some good ones that um, encompass the entire phenomenon but they are encyclopedias and so it's bits of information and I wanted to write um, an encompassing narrative history and so you have OFAQ is 170,000 words of narrative history, and it's not necessarily for the UFO expert, although I think that those people are apt to, to get a lot of fresh insight out of it. Uh, it will especially tickle the curious and the open-minded uh, who want to, a single-volume narrative history of the UFO phenomenon, and that is what UFO FAQ is.
3: But there are other books out there like
1: that already. Not that I encountered, not that are in print. As I said, there are others Mm -hmm. that encompass the entire phenomenon, but they're alphabetical encyclopedias, And so there is not a sustained line of thought throughout all of those pages. Uh, This is a book book.
3: (laughs) Let's talk about another case inside of your book. Um, Let me see here. Uh, The Betty and Barney Hill case.
1: Yes. Now, Um, it's the first notable abduction case, of course. 1961, mm-hmm. I'm in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and uh, it's such a watershed, isn't it? Um, it was a pair of credible witnesses, upstanding, and and, and, and unassuming citizens. Uh, and, and in retrospect, the interesting thing about the Hill case is that it introduced into UFO's study uh, that unwholesome sexuality that upsets and, 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 and intrigues a lot of people. How? Uh, How
3: so? Where does the wholesome sexuality come in?
1: The Hills said that they were physically probed and examined, and, uh, uh, and that's another word for violated, Uh, I mean against their will. And that aspect of unwholesome sexuality, it's become a subset of a lot of UFO study, and uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, it simply is. Mm -hmm. and. And, and it's certainly interesting.
3: What about the uh, Travis Walton
1: case? The Travis Walton case? Yeah. I'm not familiar with that case.
3: Wait a sec. You wrote a book on UFOs, alien abductions, and you didn't write about the Travis Walton case?
1: In the book's introduction, I say that, that I was constrained by space. I had 400 pages, and uh, if I were to do this subject justice,
5: mm-hmm.
1: I would have to write Rob a 20-volume encyclopedia. But there's least,
3: but, there, but there's more. Volumes. But there is more evidence to the Travis Walton case than any other alien abduction case that has ever been written about. And yet, you wrote about the Betty and Barney Hill case, which has been debunked by a number of UFO investigators. And left out one where there is law enforcement, polygraph testing, physical evidence. I don't understand it.
1: Many, many UFO cases are supported or are roundly debunked. Uh, uh, It isn't uncommon Mm -hmm. for a particular case to have it's supporters and it's deniers. Uh, I selected instances that suggested the breadth of the U F. phenomenon. And uh, I simply could not speak about every single case. Again, at the 20 volume encyclopedia, uh, if you're going to get into
3: that, actually, 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 no. Uh, Jerome Clark did it in two volumes. It's called the UFO Encyclopedia, and it's two call uh, it's two volumes. One is A to K, and the other is L to Z. But that's already been if done. If you're going to
1: talk about everything, it's at least twenty volumes. But and here, I think here that you here, know that, right? But, but here it's, you, but here you wrote an you, enormous subject. It is here, huge, here huge. You, then how can you,
3: how can you not include one of the most talked about alien abduction cases in UFO history and not included in your book where you include Betty and Barney Hill.
1: See this is probably because in my chapter on abductions Mm -hmm. I was satisfied that I had covered the the psychology of such cases the physical aspects of such cases the emotional aspects of such cases I simply can't talk about every single one. No, but I I would have to make decisions. But I would imagine being an author. 400 pages, not 4,000 pages.
3: But I would imagine being an author who wants to put the best foot forward to prove that he... No, this book is worth buying, that you would include the top cases of the day. That's all I'm getting at. I just don't understand why... Betty and Barney Hill's case would be in there from the nineteen sixties, where there were no witnesses, compared to the witnesses that were that were at the that the place with Travis Walton. That's I'm just trying to find balance and understanding.
1: I focused on the Hill case because it's a touchstone. Uh, it has um, enormous social importance. Um, and possibly huge um, scientific importance as well and 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 and, 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 and if I omitted it, mm-hmm. I would be remiss
3: i i don't I don't think well, you know I, like I said, I find and others in the UFO community who have been doing this for a number of years would agree with me that the Travis Walton case would be the one that should be looked at as because of of the entirety of it the entirety of the polygraph examinations the psycho the psychoanalysis that was done the the hypnotic regression that was done the trace evidence the FBI's input the radar trackings you know to me this would have been a more pivotal case but I'm not the author in this case and and I'm sure that you did due diligence and research and you decided not to include it. Okay, so let's go to another case here. Um, Project Blue Book.
1: Yes. It's a USAF. Um, I'm an investigatory body. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, it's interesting. A lot of Project Blue Book memos uh, ended up being released uh, I'm in recent years. And it's an interesting portrait. <laughs> Of, of a plodding bureaucracy. And I think that, that the project at the outset had, uh, had a pretty serious interest in the UFO or, or flying saucer phenomenon.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Of the day, uh, the real question is what was the motive of Washington? Um, in approving Blue Book, um, in funding it, and in perpetuating it for, oh, uh, over 20 years. Um, are they hiding things? Uh, did they simply wish to divert public attention from uncomfortable questions? Uh, I don't know. Um, uh, blue book is important culturally in that it gave the imprimatur of science and military and government to UFO study. And, um, in that regard, uh, it's extremely valuable, um, as to its ultimate conclusions, Mm -hmm. uh, that it itself found, and, and and that we might draw. I don't know if it is as valuable, but in that cultural sense, it's um, it's awfully important.
3: You and I have to take our final break. Please stand by, Dave XO Nation, Dave Hogan's our guest, and his website is www.onstageandbackstage.wordpress.com. wordpress. com. The name of his book. UFO FAQ. This is the X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell, and we're here Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. And X-Zone Nation, don't forget, you can listen to Kevin Randall, A Different Perspective, right here on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. All you have to do is go to our website, xzbn.net, look at Kevin's um, spot on the, on the schedule. It's A Different Perspective. Tune in. He's got some great guests. This is the Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Monday through Friday, right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't go away. David Hogan is our guest. He's the author of UFO FAQ. And David, where are some of the UFO hotspots that you write about in your book?
1: Um, I think an interesting one is, is the beautiful Pacific Coast Highway. And um, that is, uh, I think it's uh, Route 1, isn't it? Yeah, California State Route 1. And um, it, it's in the proximity of Air Force bases, and it has uh, inspired a lot of sightings, uh, notably on a spot called Sycamore Knoll, which is a contoured underwater shelf about 2,000 feet under the ocean surface northwest of Malibu. Mm-hmm. And and there are interesting photographs of this of this shelf, and in the minds of some people, it is uh, m- 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 almost like a hangar or a uh, you know it's a redoubt of some sort. It it, it, it it's a holding place for UFOs, uh, and and then other people feel that it's simply a natural formation, uh, and not a hangar at all. Uh, There is Null Arbor Plain in Australia. It's uh, it's about 750 miles um, across. Uh, It's arid and dry, and uh, it's another place that has attracted many, many sightings. Uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina has has uh, uh, brought us reports of orange spheres, orange lights, orange fireballs, orange circles. Um, Sochi, Russia, um, is it is another hot spot, um, and then there are others. Uh, I'm in Chile, in Colorado, uh, uh, the Welsh. Triangle uh, at St. Bride's Bay um, in Wales uh, and, and, and the sightings there date to 1952 mm-hmm. and still continue. Um, it's a whole world of hotspots and isn't that intriguing? Why
3: do you think the governments of the world are insisting that there are no UFOs?
1: Well... Uh, it's a combination of things on the one hand it's a pedestrian and unimaginative mindset Uh, if they can't see it if they can't touch it or taste it then it ain't real Uh, on the other hand uh, they have their agendas governments are systems and, and they are not our friends, but systems. And every system um, is only devoted to its own survival. And um, it has its secrets, and, and it has to protect those secrets. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if those secrets are all about extraterrestrials in terms of hard... Proof, or if the secrets are simply that the government doesn't trust us and doesn't want us to even think too much about other planets, other civilizations. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think governments have uh, particularly high opinions of their people. And they are also secretive by nature. And so you tell me what they're hiding and why.
3: Well, I don't think they are hiding anything, because over the number of years since Roswell, there hasn't been that smoking gun, that all-conclusive proof, that hardcore evidence that anybody has brought forward to, to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that UFOs are real, that people are being abducted by aliens, that... The government is conspiring against the people. This is all hypothetical, based on a lot of hearsay,
1: and very little proof. Well, you were chatting a few minutes ago, though, Rob, mm-hmm. about a particular case. Yes, I wasn't. That t- had t- witnesses. Yeah, I wasn't. And, t- and how uh, involvement? Yes, but I wasn't. T- of t- a lot of professional people.
3: Yes, I was talking. Uh, yes, and I didn't say that the case was. How was is proven. that distinguished? I took from- like. If you'd give me a chance to answer. Sure. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Do you do a lot of radio? Hmm? Do you do a lot of radio interviews? I'd say a
1: fair amount. Why?
3: You know, because usually people who do a lot of radio understand that the host has got to get some, some questions in, too.
1: Well, so. I understand that hosts enjoy aggressive guests. Well, because that's good radio. Well, you see,
3: I can tell you don't do a lot of radio by just what you said there. Listen, I think we're just going to um, we're just going to agree to disagree, because even with the Travis Walton case, all it proved is that something happened. People saw things they couldn't understand. People, Mm -hmm. you know, there was there was a lot of strange things that were witnessed by many people. He even passed a polygraph test, and a polygraph test is only is only as effective as the person's belief in what they're saying. But when it comes to Roswell, New Mexico, to me, that's you know, uh, it's it's a no go because Jesse Marcel, the so-called base intelligence officer, and I don't think he had an ounce of brains in him, went to the Brazel farm, got some evidence, put it in his jeep, and instead of going back to the base, what does he do? He goes home unless his wife and kid play with the evidence. Right then and there, that case is over. Right then and there, the chain of custody and evidence is over. It is gone. Yes, it's awful, put. isn't it? It
1: is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, uh, and when and you, I am not a proponent of Roswell. I'm simply explaining in the book what it is. Mm-hmm.
3: Has, have you ever wanted to investigate one of these cases yourself? Have I wanted to? Yeah. No. Then why did you write no, about I, it? No. Then why did you write about it? If if, the, if you don't have enough interest to go and want to dig into one of these cases, to get your, to get your teeth into it, to really see what's behind the smoke and mirrors, why did you write your book on it?
1: No, oh. I devoted 18 months of my life to this book, Rob. And as I said at the beginning of our chat... Mm-hmm. I am the kid who was fascinated with this stuff and, and that child-like wonder
5: mm-hmm.
1: has never left me. I am very curious. I am very open-minded and I think that UFO FAQ is the ideal book for anyone who is curious about the breadth of the subject and who wants to know what it's about, pro and con, and in the middle. All and, right, li- listen,
3: listen, we've run out of time. I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's, it's been a bit of a challenge. Let me, let me see here. He's written a book on UFOs. He's never seen a UFO. He's never done any UFO research. The book is about four hundred and forty twenty-four pages, and that's only in a 6x9 book which means there's a lot of everything in there with no meat and potatoes. He writes about the Barney Hill case, but he doesn't include the Travis Walton case. Um, Then what really ticked me off was his attitude about people who self-publish. Here you've got this hoity-doity author who wrote a book, 300,000 copies sold, used in universities. Big bloody deal. Doesn't mean very much to me. But when you've got people who have stories And they take the time and the effort to write their stories, to edit their stories, to do everything, put it on Amazon and sell it. They're the real heroes here, not the flunkies who work for publishing houses. And that just grabbed me the wrong way. And then to say that he's never investigated a UFO, he's never seen a UFO, a lot of his information is based on experiences of others that you can easily get on the internet without paying $19 and, what is it, Craig, 19 dollars US to buy a book that you can easily Google the information yourself on the internet. You know, I, I just found him to be a very self-righteous person who has not done a lot of radio. And you know what? I don't think he will. This may be his first and only book, when it comes to UFOs. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break. Because you know what? There are people out there like Kevin Randall and others who write books, who do the investigations, Tom, Kerry, uh, uh, you know, and the rest of them who actually do the investigations, write the books, get the information out there, pour their hearts and soul into it because they know what it's like to have the passion and the burning inside to write something that people will want to read. Not something that you'll publish because you're going to be the biggest purchaser of your own books. I'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Hey, X-Zone Nation, do I seem a little ticked off? I am royally ticked off at this guy. I think we're going to put him in the X-Zone order of woo-woos. And a few other places, but we won't go there right now. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. I'll be back. Don't go away.